Please pray with me. Jesus, we pray that you would, in these next few minutes, help us to experience your presence and know that you are with us no matter what we face. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, one of the albums, Christmas albums, that we have in our family is by a singer named Burl Ives, who used to be real popular a long time ago. Well, a few days back, we were watching a Christmas cartoon called Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Some of you have probably seen it. And it's narrated by a talking snowman voiced by Burl Ives. Well, my seven-year-old recognized his voice from the album, and she, said, she pointed at the snowman and said, Hey, that's Burl Ives. But then she got a confused look on her face, and she said, I didn't know Burl Ives was a snowman. At which point the rest of us were confused and said, well, what were you thinking? Of course, I mean, you're seven. Of course he's not a snowman. I mean, he was kind of round, but other than that, not a snowman, right? It was a very confusing comment, which is probably how people felt about Isaiah's very confusing prophecy that he gives that we just read about a baby who would be born called Emmanuel, which means God with us. It wouldn't have made much sense to the people who heard it. Now, this verse is often quoted at Christmas time because it is a prophecy about Jesus given 500 years before he was born. The historical context is that Israel is divided into north and south, and Isaiah lives in the south, and the north is invading. They're attacking. So Isaiah goes to the king to try to comfort him and says, it's going to be okay, and to prove it, here's a sign. A virgin will conceive, and in Hebrew, that word virgin can mean either young woman or virgin, as we mean it today, she'll have a son and call him Emmanuel. Don't you feel better, king? And the king probably would have said, huh? It doesn't make any sense. She'll have a baby. Awesome. Huh? Kind of a confusing prophecy, in part because it has a double meaning, one for Isaiah's time and one for when Jesus was born 500 years later. Now, in Isaiah's time, as he goes on to explain, it's a prediction that within a couple of years, the northern kingdom would no longer be a threat because they'd be wiped out, which did eventually happen when Assyria conquered the northern kingdom. But the prophecy also applies to Jesus, who is sometimes called Emmanuel in the New Testament, which means God with us. And this is the sign that Isaiah gives to the king and to us, by extension, that no matter what we face, God is with us, and that means that we can have victory, hope, confidence, peace, and joy. But maybe you're a little bit like the king probably would have been. Oh, that's nice prophecy, Isaiah, but is that the best you got? Because I'm not feeling, I mean, that's nice that God's with us and all, but the army, the army that's invading, what about that? If you're unemployed or facing a health crisis or a relationship breakdown, God with us may not feel very satisfying. Sort of like a woman I heard about who told her pastor that she was afraid to fly and the pastor said, well, remember what Jesus said, he's with you always. But she corrected him and quoted back to him the King James, and she said, no. He said, lo, I am with you always. <laughs> Didn't find it all that comforting. But what Christmas mean is, means is that God does not stay up there in heaven, remote from all of our struggles. He comes himself in the person of Jesus, not just 2,000 years ago, but for us who know him today. And that brings victory in two ways. The first is this. God with us means that he daily guides us to greater joy than we would choose for ourselves. 
If we know Jesus, his spirit lives in us. It's a personal relationship, and he guides us daily. Last Christmas, my mother-in-law gave my wife one of those GPS things for our car. You know, the kind that talk to you and tell you where to go, that, that thing. And you can program it to have different voices. You can give it a British accent so that it sounds smarter. You can choose a female voice for the same reason. Well, my wife chose a male voice with an Australian accent, and she calls it Hugh after the Australian ac uh, actor Hugh Jackman because I think she thinks he's handsome, which I guess is true if tall and muscular and charming is what you like, but you know, not handsome like I'm handsome, right? <laughs> anyway, it says things like, turn right at the next exit, right? But it's very gentle, Hugh. He's very, he's very gentle, very kind of understated and very subtle, doesn't yell at you, you know, turn right, you idiot. Well, that's a mediocre analogy for Jesus, in a way. He doesn't shout. He doesn't yell. His guidance is very subtle. But in our offices, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, he nudges us and he guides us. Say this to this person. Do that in this situation. And we can learn to recognize those nudges by reading the Bible to figure out the kinds of things he says, by praying, by paying attention to thoughts that pop in our head that may not be ours, they may come from him. And then every day becomes an adventure as he leads us to joy that we wouldn't choose ourselves. There's a man named Nick Wojcik who, like Hugh Jackman, happens to be Australian. So there's an Australia theme in this sermon. And I've told you about him before. About a month ago, he was born with no arms and no legs. But he is one of the most joyful people you're ever going to meet. He says because he knows that God is with him every day. Well, one day he was sitting on a plane that had landed but was waiting on the runway because the gate wasn't ready. You know how that happens? I hate when that happens. Anyways, he got this thought that he knew was God. He knew it was God because it was a thought he never would have had. And it said, Nick, there are people on this plane that need some encouragement. I want you to go to the microphone and encourage them for a few minutes. And he said, come again? No way, I'm not gonna, that's weird, I'm not going to do that, right? But just that nudge kept coming and coming and coming. So finally, he gets out of his seat, and he's learned how to get around, even though he doesn't have legs, and he makes his way down the aisle, and he looks at the flight attendant and says, give me the microphone. And she just looked at him like he was nuts, and he, looks, he says, listen, I'm Australian. This is how we do things, okay? Give me the microphone. Well, she gave him the mic. Who knows why? I wouldn't have, but she gives him the mic, and he just talks for just a few minutes. And he talked about how... He has found joy even though he doesn't have any arms or legs. And he's a very funny guy, so people were laughing, but he's also, it was also very moving, so some folks were crying. He just talked a few minutes, and then he sat down. Well, as folks got off the plane later, almost every one of them gave him a hug or, or slapped him on the back and said, that was so encouraging, thank you. Well, one guy came up to him with tears streaming down his eyes, and he said, you have no idea how much I needed that today. I so needed that today. And he said, I think you have changed my life forever. Nick said it was such a rush because the God who created everything personally not guided him to do something he would not have chosen but led to joy for a plane full of people and for Nick because he got to be part of this kind of cool adventure. It wasn't something he would have chosen, but God guided him to it. Now, I'm not saying that God is going to make you speak to a plane full of people, which I'm sure comes as a relief to most of you, but it may be something different for you, right? One of our elders said to, said to a group of us this week that one of the best joys of his life is tutoring at the Jubilee Reach Center. He said, I never would have chosen that for myself, but God 
guided me there. That's what God with us means. Every day, he leads us to joy that we may not otherwise have discovered. And then the second thing God with us means is that we can have victory even in the the worst situations, in any situation. You know, the Bible says over and over again that God is for us, and that is absolutely true. He's for us, but he does more than that. He is also with us. He doesn't just send help from afar. He joins in the battle with us. One of our elders compares it to World War II. She said, you know, at first we were for the Allies. We sent them guns and planes and tanks. We were for them, but after Pearl Harbor, we were with them. God is for and with us, and that is a powerful combination. And here's the truth that I have experienced over and over. When we feel God's presence, it may, he is so big, it makes our problems seem smaller. And his presence drives out fear. It drives out worry. It drives out sorrow, which means we can have victory in any situation. This week, one of our elders told a group of us about a time that thieves broke into her home. And they pistol-whipped her husband and knocked him out and then took her through the house room by room and forced her to point out everything that was valuable. And this went on for over an hour. Well, then they tied her up and her husband, tied both of them up with phone cords, put a gun to both of their heads and said, we're going to kill him first and then we're going to kill you and you might not want to look because it's going to be awful. At which point she started to recite the 23rd Psalm in her mind. And she said suddenly there was this incredible sense of peace, miraculous peace that just she felt it just kind of flow right down through her body. And as she was telling this, someone asked her, well, are you normally a calm person? And she said, do you know me? You know, no, no. But in that moment, she felt God right there. And in her mind, he, she heard him say, this is going to be over soon. And no matter how it ends, it's going to be okay. I am with you. And she said, no fear in that moment, just this miraculous sense of peace. Well, at that point, for some reason, which she says was God in that room fighting for them, the, the thieves just suddenly decided to leave. So she got herself untied, called the cops. They caught these guys, put them in jail. Now, as it turned out, they'd robbed other houses, and she and her husband were the only ones that they did not shoot. But she said the real miracle was the sense of peace, even in such a terrifying moment. Why? Because she knew that God was with her. And you see, that is ultimate victory. Because in a fallen, broken world, where nothing works the way God intended it to work, and where people do what God does not want them to do, and that's not God's fault, that's people's fault, there will be trials and storms and terrible things. And God is for us in that moment, in those moments. And many times the way he does that is he intervenes, often in some kind of dramatic fashion. And I've told you many stories in the past about how he does that. But if that's all he did, then we're not really free because then we're still vulnerable to the next problem, the next crisis, the next thing. But he is also with us and his presence gives us peace no matter what we face. And that is ultimate victory because then nothing can slow you down. Nothing can scare you. Nothing can steal our joy or our peace because you see, real victory and real peace does not consist in having a storm-free life. That is not possible this side of heaven. Real peace consists of having Jesus in the boat with you when you face the storm. And then as the hymn says, whether peace like a river attendeth our way or sorrows as sea billows roll, whatever our lot, when Jesus is with us, we can say, it is well, it is well with my soul. So then... How do we learn to experience that presence? Because sometimes we don't. A couple of things. I've told you some of these in the past. 
Well, we can pray for it. If you don't experience his presence, start asking. Great week to do that, Christmas week. Pay attention to the thoughts in your head that maybe don't sound like your thoughts. They may come from God. But he also shows he's with us in other ways. Sometimes something someone says, that phone call from a friend that comes at just the right moment to encourage you, a line in a song or a word in Scripture. Maybe it's just a quiet feeling in your heart that helps you know that he is with you in many, many more ways. And no, we do not always feel it. You know why? Because in our busy lives, we sometimes crowd him out. Or sometimes we get so focused on our problems that we, can't, that we stop focusing on the fact that he is with us. But whether we feel it or not, he is with us no matter what. That's his promise. This summer we were visiting my parents and we went to their church and we took our kids. Bad move. <laughs> my son hated it. He was bored. He was restless. You know, I mean, he was kind of moving around. He wasn't being too distracting, except to me. But, you know, and I was sitting there thinking, I'm, okay, it's not my church. Nobody knows I'm the pastor here. So, you know, it's all right. Well, he kept asking, you know, how much longer? How much longer? And I have to admit, I was not being very helpful. I'd say things like, oh, you know, four more hours. You know how long daddy preaches, right? Well, then he started to whimper. He actually started to whimper with boredom. Well, by this point, the pastor was preaching, and I'm thinking, okay, buddy, I know how this goes. Get to your last point, tell your story, and land this plane. <laughs> As some of you may be thinking, right now. <laughs> but then I surprised myself by actually having a good parenting moment. I reached over, pulled my son next to me, and at first he kind of resisted, but then he, he just put his head on my chest, and he just sank in, and it seemed like he was really enjoying being with me in that moment, and he just calmed down. Now, at this point, I would love to end by saying, and we stayed that way in a wonderful father-son moment for the rest of the service, and it was moving, and it was wonderful, and that's rather like our Lord Jesus, isn't it? Right? But about five minutes later, there he was, restless again. So we're doing those things. But then it was communion. And when the tray came with those tiny little plastic cups that churches uses, including us, you know, because it's just easier, but can be a weird metaphor, right? The blood of Christ eked out in tiny sanitary portions just for you, <laughs> right? Well, he thought that was the funniest thing he'd ever seen because the cups were so small, and he started laughing, and he was happy, and from then on, riveted in church. He was just engaged, and he loved the rest of the service. And now I will land the plane. That is how it is with Jesus. When we are fearful or restless or bored or whatever, in some way, he reaches out and draws us closer and says, I'm with you. It's okay. But in our broken world, in our busy lives, that feeling does not always last, does it? But then he meets us again. He sends us some other sign that he's with us. Just like for my son, communion was what did it. Somehow that worked, and he sends us some other sign to show that he's with us. And not only that, he guides us to joy that we would not have chosen for ourselves. I mean, my son got a lot of joy out of communion, the symbol of God's presence. Admittedly, it's because he thought that the cups were funny, and maybe that's not the holiest reason. <laughs> but maybe that's how God talks to a nine-year-old boy in church. Whatever it was, it led to joy that my son would not have chosen for himself. That's Christmas. God did not stay up there. Safe. He's the only God in human history who had the guts to come down here. Every other God is too afraid to do that. 
But the God revealed in Jesus came down here to be with you and to be with me. He came himself, and if we know him, he is still here, no matter what we face. So this week, will you look for the signs he's going to send you that says, I'm here, you are not alone. A thought you have in prayer, something someone says, a quiet feeling in your heart that shows that he is with you. No matter what, because he is. He is with you in your highs and in your lows. He is with you in your joy and in your sorrow, in your fears and in your hopes. When everything is going great and when everything is going rotten, he is with you. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. God with us, no matter what. Jesus, we do not always feel that. But ask that this week, as we celebrate your coming, that you would show us in a powerful way that in our joys and in our sorrows, when things are great and when things are hard and everything in between, you are here. I pray for every person in this room, every one of us, Lord, somewhere between now and Friday, December 24th, would you show us that you're with us. Ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.